Welcome back to Out of the Rough, a fantasy golf podcast brought to you by We Know Fantasy. This is Nate with We Know Fantasy. After a one-week hiatus, I am back. Joining me, as always, is Lenny. Lenny, how we doing? I'm just glad to have you back, Nate. That's all. Aww, that's so kind of you. And uh, also here, as always, is Sean. Sean, how are we doing? I'm kind of upset you didn't take a longer hiatus. Well, this is a, a mixed emotions, I guess. <laughs> I'm doing well, good, uh, though, Nate. Glad you're back. Glad you're back. <laughs> All right, then. I guess we'll uh, progress forward. Like nothing has happened. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Anyhow, guys, make sure you follow us on the show on social media at Out of the Rough WK on both Twitter and Instagram. And visit our website, weknowfans.com, for some more fantasy sports content, including baseball, basketball, uh, golf, NASCAR, football, you name it, we have you covered. So last week, as previously mentioned, um, I was not here, so I don't have any results for you guys, but Lenny and Sean do. So I guess, Lenny, let us know how your guys did last week at the Zurich Classic at TPC at Louisiana. Uh, not great. I mean... The uh, six for six percentage, I think, this past week was a one percent. Um, I certainly didn't fall in that one percent because I had Kazen Brown miss the cut, Thompson and Gordon miss the cut, Romero Vegas miss cut. My uh, Oklahoma State team, Hovland and Ventura, T twenty five, and then my Ron and Palmer team finished seventh. So I guess one semi bright spot there. All right, I guess you have to. Uh... What is it? View the glass is half full opposed to half empty. So always hype yourself up about the positive in things. That's your motivational statement of the week, uh, I guess. Anyhow, Sean, how were, how did you do last week? Uh, actually, I didn't do too bad. Um, I had two teams miss the cut. Uh, Matt Neesmith, Chase Seifert, they missed the cut, as well as Ben Martin and Chesson uh, Hadley. Um, however, I did have Cam Smith and Mark Leishman, who did take first last week, um, and Louis Oosthuizen and Charles Worsell, who took second. Um, they had a nice little playoff there. Um, and then I had Alex Norin and Henrik uh, Norlander, my Swedish team. Uh, they came in at uh, tied for 22nd, so it wasn't too bad uh, of a week. Yeah, it doesn't sound too bad there. It's always a plus when you get the first and second uh, place winner or team in this situation. All right, guys. So... This week, we have the Valspar Championship at Copperhead Course. This is, uh, let's see, it's been about two years since the last time this event has been played. Last year canceled uh, due to the situation. I think you all know what situation we're talking about. Uh, let's not mention that. Anyhow, it's COVID, if you guys didn't catch on. Um, anyhow, so they got pushed to a new May date this year. Paul Casey is a two-time defending champion due to the nice Florida weather and this course being beautiful. You will see uh, this event seems to track some of the bigger names. This field is led by Paul Casey, of course, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Patrick Weed, and Reed. Oh, I said Weed. Reed and Sungjae Im. Uh, like I said, this event has been held at Copperhead course since 2000, but was updated in 2007. 
The course also underwent a huge renovation on the greens, fairways, and some of the bunkers in 2015. So results dating before 2015, uh, you must tread lightly when referencing those. Three of the last six years now have featured winning scores in single-digit range. This is a tough course, and we're going to see some, uh, you can't say low scores, so high scores winning, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, in 2019, it played as the sixth t- toughest course on the tour with a scoring average of 71.968. It's a par 701 with five par threes. That's right, five par threes and four par, par four. Why can't I speak? Par fives. It plays longer than it appears due to the number of dog legs and thicker rough we'll see. Tight fairways lined by trees and there is water in play on 11 holes. We're in Florida here, guys, so Bermuda greens that play firm and fast. And if we're looking at the course history prior to 2015, like I said, it's misleading because the past three winners there have had uh, uh, no success. The past, okay, it's hard. To, I'm trying to phrase this. The winners prior to 2015 or after 2015 did not have success on these greens prior to 2015. Does that make sense? No? Yeah. Okay. I got one confirmation. That's good enough for me. The course is finished off with its signature stretch of holes named the Snake Pit, which consists of two long winding par fours and hard to hit par three. Uh, These three holes will almost always play over par for the week. And each of the past seven winners of the Valspar Championship had recorded at least one top 10 on the season before their victory here. All right, Lenny, did I miss anything? No, I think one thing to kind of note, though, is the par fives are going to be where the scoring, I think, comes from this week, that if you can score on the par fives, you'll do well. Um, And like you said, there is a lot of dog legs. It's kind of the traditional Larry Packer design where he loves a double dog leg, throwing dog legs in there. So I think it's going to be more of the second shot course that we have seen lately. but it is a fun tournament. I think it's one of my favorites. It's not a course necessarily I'd love to play because we do have a lot of true line fairways, a lot of semi-tough dog legs, I guess. But it's fun to watch, I think. Yeah, it uh, brings out a different set of skills than some of the uh, more, I guess, run-of-the-mill courses we see throughout the year. And as always, Sean, I'm going to ask you, is there anything you want to add about the course? Why is it called the Snake Pit? Wow. You tell me. I don't know. I was asking. I'm interested. Well, I asked you, know. you if you knew something about a course, and then you brought a question. So don't think there really was a time for it. Well, you know, I don't know what to expect at this time. So um, we can just move on. Uh, all right. Well, unless Lenny knows the answer to this, this trivia I... fact. I don't know. I'm going to guess that uh, once upon a time, uh, someone was playing the course and they got bit by a snake on 15 and then played 16, 17, 18 very poorly. Yeah, they were delusional because of the poisonous nature of the snake. Rumor has it. That is... Not a true story. I just uh, but, uh, I was going to confirm it, but okay. Well, if you do yeah, know, yeah. if you do know, <laughs> yeah, you should you... hit us up on Twitter on our We Know Fantasy account and see if uh, and let us know. 
I would yeah, if you do know, let us know because we don't know how to use Google. All right, guys, let's uh, actually get into some quality actual content for these people that are listening to us ramble on about uh, hypothetical or mythical stories. So let's kick it off here. Our 10,000-plus range, there's slim pickings this week. I think there's, what, five or six golfers over 10K. But, uh, Sean, who do you have here leading the way? Uh, You already mentioned his name. I'm going to go with Paul Casey. He's coming in at 10,000 this week. Um, obviously I don't really think I need to say much more after you've already mentioned, uh, he's a two time winner. One last time this, uh, event was played in 2019. Um, he took a fifth this year at Pebble fifth at the players. He also has, including those two top tens, he has three others. So five this year, uh, he's 11 for 13 in his cuts, one win on the European tour. Uh, if that takes for anything and, uh, like LJ said earlier, the um, second shot is probably going to be pretty important this week, and he's 14th in the shots gained approach to green uh, category. So obviously he's got a great history here. He's coming in at the lowest there. I think he'll probably be pretty high in terms of percentage just based off of his history, uh, but I'm going to go with him at the 10,000 range. Yeah, can't really go wrong, and you kind of have to include Paul Casey when it comes to this course because he is – Two-time defending champion. You don't just win two times in a row by mistake. So, uh, pretty pretty good pick there. Lenny, who's your ten thousand dollar plus play? Yeah, for me, it's going to be Patrick Reed this week. Um, he's coming in at ten three. He did miss the cut last time here, but he's got three top sevens. He's got two second place finishes and a seventh. So even though he has missed the cut last time here, he has some pretty solid course history. He's eighth in strokes game total this year. So he's been playing well for the most part the whole year here. And as we know, Patrick Reed, he's a really good around the green, really good at putting, but he also has a very solid approach game. Um, So I'm not too worried about uh, his driving at all. I think this is going to be more of a, off the tee, you can hit a four iron, you can hit a three wood, and it's not going to hurt you by any means. And it's going to be, I think, more based on kind of your second shot, how you can scramble around the greens this week. So I think Patrick Reed's a good play here at 10-3. Yeah, like I've said in previous podcasts when we brought up Patrick Reed, you can never just count Patrick Reed out. and He's always going to be a suggestion or a worth play no matter what his price range is. My $10,000-plus play is Victor Hovland, uh, 10-5, so I have the most expensive of the three guys here. Uh, like I said, uh, Paul Casey will probably be the consensus pick for most for this range because of his past history, and like I said, rightfully so, and his ownership's going to show that as well. So I'm trying to go away from that in case, for some reason, Paul Casey doesn't do well. Uh, he'll sink a lot of ships, and maybe Hovland can step up for me. I don't want to spend up for the favorites of the week. My favorite of the week, excuse me, Justin Thomas. You know, so I'll settle here at the 10-5 for Hovland. Thomas, I think, is the most expensive play of the week at 11-5. And DJ as well at 11-3. Uh, anyhow, Hovland is currently 7th on the tour in shots gained T to green, which is the probably the most important statistic. If you're going to look at statistics for this course, it's hard to because of the nature of the course and the toughness of it. But T to green is one of those to take into account. And T to green takes into account for its formula shots gained off the T approach and around the green. So that gives you a, a well-rounded statistic of a, of a full 
like I said, off the tee to the green, which is important here at this course because of how tough it plays with the with the dog legs, the trees, the water, the the thick rough, everything. So Hobbleton is fantastic off the tee as well. Um, he is tied with uh, John Rahm for third best on the tour in shots gained off the tee. Uh, so there's that as well. So a statistical based approach here, as I always take. So Hovland is my guy. All right, guys, 9,000 through 9,900 are second-tier type of players. And, Sean, who do you have here? I'm going to go with a guy that I mentioned last week, uh, Louis Oosthuizen. He's coming in at 9.5. Um, pretty decent price range, obviously, uh, obviously for him. Two top 10s, uh, 9 for 10 in cuts. Last year, he uh, was tied for second here, so he has a pretty good history. His first two rounds were, were good, uh, but his second two rounds was a 66 and a 69. So if you, if you see him coming in through through the weekend and he's not doing something, something that you like, uh, watch, him on the week, watch him on Saturday and Sunday, see if he can get down lower. Um, and last week, uh, like I mentioned, was the keyword of chemistry. Um, he and his partner, Charles Schwartzel, like I said, took second in that event. So those two have to be coming off a pretty good high. And he did play really, really well in one of those uh, one of the days of their own ball. He was making some pretty large putts, uh, so I, I would like to see him carry over some of that momentum from last week into this week. Yeah, can't debate that. There a lot of uh, a lot of good coming out of Ustasian, and uh, I'm not going to argue with you. So, Lenny, who's your uh, nine thousand dollar range play? Yeah, I just hope the tournament doesn't go into a playoff again this week for Usti. But for me, I'm kind of torn between Corey Connors, Joaquin Neiman. I think they're both great plays. But you know me, I have to go Joaquin Neiman again. I mean, he's been playing so well. He almost seems to be just locked into a top 25 every week. Um, I know the Masters wasn't fantastic, um, but he has been playing fairly well. I think just the the floor on him, he's a very safe play. Hasn't missed a cut yet this year. And he's been striking the ball very well. Uh, eighth in greens in regulation, which I think is going to be pretty important this week. Um, and he's 10th in birdie or better scoring on the season. So on a tough course, I think – his ability to at least just be on the green and have a chance at birdie on a lot of holes will be pretty important, pretty key. And like I said, I think just his floor is so high every week that he's just a very nice safe pick that I like going with. How does this saying go? It's uh, There's only guaranteed things in life for death and taxes and Lenny picking Joaquin Neiman. Isn't that how the old saying goes? That's close to it. I, I have played him a lot this year. But, <laughs> I mean, his his play has kind of proven it. He hasn't been fantastic lately, but he's making every cut. He's scoring. Like, I just – until he gives me a reason, like, to really not play him, I'll keep playing him. If he plays bad this week, I'll probably kind of fade him a little bit after kind of two – iffy rounds or iffy tournaments. Um, but, I mean, until he gives me a reason not to play him, I'll keep playing him. All right. Can't argue with that. And my $9,000 play this week is Russell Henley. Uh, I'm going to the bottom of the price range here as he comes in at exactly 9000 
He is the best player on the tour currently in bogey avoidance. Uh, birdie opportunities are rare here at Copperhead, and recent winners at the event have all had decent uh, decent uh, rankings in uh, bo- bogey avoidance. Uh, Paul Casey led the field in this statistic last the last two years. In the last two years, he won. So it goes to show how important that is. And obviously, you know, if you avoid bogeys at all costs, you have a good chance to win. In 828 holes played this season, Henley has recorded a bogey just 10.99% of the time or a total of 91. So like I said, that is the best on the tour currently. And he also leads the tour in scoring average at 69.645. And is also third on the tour in shots gained approach. So a lot to like about Henley here. Um, he's another guy I play quite often. Love his value where he remains in that high eights, low nines. I love to play him there. So let's see if I can't get myself a good result out of him this week. All right. 8,000 to 8,900. Here we are. This is a... Uh, kind of where the 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 money is made you got to hit on these guys if you want to have a chance you got to play this price range strongly as we talk about week to week so sean who do we have here man i've got jason Kokrak. he's coming in at eight seven this week um he's got four top tens he's 12 for 15 in cuts um he came in tied for second last year as well uh, as louis oosthuizen so if you're playing along with my pick so far, I've just followed the leaderboard of the last year. Um, but he did shoot a 69 in the first round and a 66 in the third round. So a couple of low numbers to match some of those single digits that Nate was mentioning that are needed for uh, for that win or to get close to that. Uh, but coming into the tournament, before the Masters, he had a ninth at the Players, an eighth at Arnold Palmer, and a ninth at WGC Workday. So... He had a good streak going. He did take 49th at the Masters, but that's the Masters. So it will be interesting to see if he can get back to his uh, high leaderboard ways this week. All right, all right. Lots of like there as well. And Lenny, who are we playing here? I was going to say, I really like the Kokrak pick that he has been playing very good golf lately. He had a very rough Sunday at the Masters. It kind of hurt his score and his finishing. Um, there's a lot of guys in this 8K range this week that I think are very good bets. Um, if you're someone who wants to kind of just sprinkle some money around the board, there's a lot of guys in this range that I do like. Um, you know, with Bubba, Rose, Kokrak, you have Charlie Hoffman who's been playing great, Palmer playing well. But for me, I'm going to go with Emiliano Grillo this week. He's um, coming off a of, T2 and a T6, uh, miss the cut at the players. But like we said, the players, if you miss the cut there, you can write it off. It's a tournament with just so much volatility that you, it's very tough to predict. So him missing the cut at the players isn't something I'm worried about. And his two tournaments before that, he also has a T11, T21. So not counting the players, he's been playing some of the best golf on tour. Um, he's not a name that you quite see every week, uh, not necessarily see him at the top, but right now he's playing good. I want to try to jump on this, kind of ride this hot wave while he's going. And he's another guy, he's second on tour in greens and regulation. Like I said before, I think that's going to be a pretty key important stat. And he has really good driving accuracy, so he puts the ball into the middle of the fairway. I don't think driving is going to be as important this week. Uh, but when he does pull out the driver, you can be fairly confident that he's not 
hoisting him off into the trees, and he's going to be giving himself good scoring opportunities. So at 8-3, I'm going Emiliano Grillo. Yeah, he's a bit of an undervalued pick there, or underrated, excuse me, uh, with what you said and the value there, 8-3. You know, it's, you're going to be hard-pressed to find someone with those type of qualifications uh, this low-valued in any form of DFS. My 8,000 pick is Charlie Hoffman at 8,600. In terms of shot-gained approach, three of the past four winners at uh, at the, where are we? The Valspar, that, that's where we're at. Uh, have actually lost strokes off the tee, but they also have gained 4.6 strokes or more on approach. So, uh, you know, this kind of goes against my Hovland pick because he's fantastic off the tee and tee to green and whatnot. But Hoffman is, is is great when it comes to approach. He is a top 15 player in that statistic. He's also kind of on a hot streak. If you want to break it down, he finished second at the Valero Texas Open. T18, the RPC Heritage, and he had a team T11 last week with teammate Nick Watney at the uh, Zurich Classic. So playing some good golf recently, very good when it comes to approach. He's going to make some strokes up there and get the ball where it needs to be around the pin and on the green. And that's what you're hoping for here at this type of uh, type of course. Two price ranges remain. Here we go. Time to make our money. 7,000 to 7,900. Sean, take it away. I think this one is a little bit of a flyer pick for me. Um, I'm taking Henrik Stenson at uh, 7,000. He's coming right at the bottom of the barrel of this grouping. Um, but I, I don't think that he's somebody that necessarily will come into the bottom of the barrel on the leaderboard. Uh, he has zero top tens. He's only made a couple cuts this year. So I could obviously see why you might be shaking your head while you're listening to me talk about him. Uh, but last year when he played this event, or I should say in 2019, he came in tied for 24th. I know that was a different Henrik Stenson, but last week when he played with Justin Rose, uh, they had a pretty nice uh, Zurich challenge going for them. So I'm hoping to see, just like Louis, keep some of that momentum coming through. and Maybe you get to see that old Henrik of old, because the way that he hits those woods is just incredible. So it's good to see him get back in there so i'm just hoping that he does something so go henrik i i would love to be able to play him extension again he's kind of fun to watch but i i don't know if you can trust him like i i hope that he does well for you but he scares the crap out of me playing him yeah, there was one event that I played Henrik Stenson, and when it was just Lenny and I on the podcast, and he kind of yelled at me for it. So that was pretty tame of him. <laughs> I Henrik Stenson used to be such a good approach player, and he used to just strike the ball, and that's just kind of gone away from his game. And he isn't isn't the ball striker that he once was. And until he shows that he can strike the ball again and hit shots. I, I am fading him for a while here until I can see that. I guess we know why DraftKings rated him at seven grand in this category. Thanks, <laughs> LJ. Mean, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's kind of low on the list. So it's at that point, you're a little bit kind of just shooting your shot. But I mean, for me, like in the 7K range, I, like I know my guys at the top of the range here, and I'm going with Keegan Bradley at 7.9. But if you just look at kind of just the quality of their games that they're playing. I mean, neither of them can hit a putt at the moment, um, which is what you get with Keegan. But Keegan's kind of the exact opposite, where he just 
drives the ball around. So, like, his tee to green game is some of the best on tour. He's six on approach, I believe. Um, six straight made cuts. He hasn't played well here, but for the $900 upgrade, like, I will find somewhere to drop nine hundred than I would take Henrik Stenson, and I don't mean this to be like a me crapping on Henrik Stenson, but sure does sound I, that way. It, it it does, and it kind of is. But I don't I don't mean to to ruin Sean's pick there, but I just think that there's I I just don't trust Henrik Stenson at all, and I like Keegan Bradley this week at seven nine. Yeah, Keegan Bradley is a familiar name to this podcast with his ability to make cuts, and we like him a lot for that. I'm going Danny Willett at 7-2. This is going to be very simple. Uh, I pick him. He, When it comes to putting on Bermuda grass, there are few golfers better than Danny Willett, so that's it. That's my whole argument, and he's 7,200, so can't really go wrong there. I do know he's towards the top of the leaderboard on par five scoring as well. I don't know his exact numbers off the top of my head. We got six. So he's six on tour and par five scoring. And I think that is where you're going to see a lot of the, the strokes coming from where guys are able to score at. So unlike Sean's pick of Henrik Stenson, I think Danny will. It's a decent pick this week. Well, I, I just did the whole dramatic, like, that's it, whole argument thing. And then you added to my argument, so. I don't know what to do here. You're going. You're running wild on this podcast now. So, so what you do next is say, who do you guys like in the six K range? Sean, let's go to you first. Well, um, Nate, I like. Uh, <laughs> I'm speechless. I'm taking over. <laughs> <laughs> well, to uh, to try to make up for the what is apparently a very bad pick. And thanks for bringing that up consistently, LJ. I'm going to go with Wyndham Clark here. Uh, he's coming in at 6'9", so he's towards the top of the range. He's got two top 10s, uh, 9 for 14 in cuts, and last time that this event was played, he was tied for 31st. So uh, knowing this range is normally just throwing some boulders into a little pebble pond and trying to see what you can find, Um I'm going to take the guy who's made some cuts here last time and who has a couple top tens. So Wyndham Clark is my guy. All right. And Lenny, who are we playing here? So for me in the 6K range, another very familiar face of the pod, Chase Seifert. Terrible pick. (laughs) Terrible pick. Write it up. He's got four top 20s. Like his last six or seven events. He's made seven out of his last eight cuts. Like until that they bump up Seifert's pricing and they're going to keep pricing him down in the 6K range. I'll keep playing him because so far in the past few months, he just kind of seems like a lock to make the cut every week. And I'm more than happy to take that in the 6K range. All right, I don't want to say anything good about this. So my 6K range player is Andrew Putnam, 6,800 in 1,098 holes played this season. He has just 155 bogeys to a 14.12% percentage of bogeys on his shots, as I just said. I'll just repeat myself. He doesn't get himself into too many bad situations and should remain... 
around par for the majority of the tournament. So I'm looking for a pick here that is kind of safe, make the cut, battle into the weekend, maybe get a top 20, give me some points here. And, you know, the way he avoids bogeys, he's uh, what, a top 20, I think he's 21st on tour in that category, but under 15% is, is good. And, you know, for 6,800, can't go wrong here. All right, so we're going to move on to our next segment, which is a new segment. Uh, last week, I was not here, of course, if you were you know, happy or mad about that. But we have the debut of Strokes Gained Proximity to Course. This is uh, patent pending, trademark pending, uh, whatever legality steps and paperwork we have to go through pending. Uh, this is this is a creation of Lenny, but we're all going to ride this uh, as one out of the rough unit. So, Lenny, uh, first off, explain what this means. I mean, they can take away from it, but explain this uh, this new strokes gained statistics you came up with and give us your pick for the week. Yeah, so the strokes gained P to C proximity to course. It's based off of kind of my firm belief that guys from around the area play better at these tournaments. They grow up playing golf at similar courses, similar conditions. And it's one of those things where it's just kind of a, uh, it's a comfort to them. They, they have experience. They're, they're playing some great happy golf with the family in town, you know. Um, and I do believe that depending on the course and your proximity to the course that you can gain strokes um, based off of your location. So for kind of our very first iteration of this, you know, I typically am going with someone born in the area, played golf at a college near the area. All right. So the person I'm going with here at Innsbruck, though it is in Florida, this man was born in Manchester in England, Sam's Horsfield, right? So he's born in England, Family moved over to Florida when he was young, went to University of Florida. So really, he's a Florida kid. I was watching the European tour this past week, saw the England flag next to his name, and then heard him talking. And I was like, this man is not English. So I looked him up. And so I, I'm going to be honest, I recently learned about him this week after watching the tournament. Um, but started looking into this kid more. He's kind of making his first uh, PGA Tour events really over here outside of the majors and he's been playing excellent on the european tour lately he's coming what in his last four a fourth t15 t3 t8 um playing excellent on the european tour the strength of the fields aren't the greatest because we've had the majors and a lot of major european tour players are playing in america but still to go four straight top 15s with three of them being what top eights you know, the kid grew up in Florida, University of Florida kid, kind of going off the board with a Sam's Horsefield pick this week. All right. So there it is. I, I know last week you unveiled it, but this is the first official selection of the new strokes gained PTC. That is a capital P, lowercase t, capital C, coming from yours truly. Lenny. So one more segment here, the one and done. Uh, Sean at this point is running away with things. Last week he had Carl Swartzel, who had who made four thousand three hundred sixty dollars and six hundred more dollars. Yes, that's what I said. 
So his total now is $1,804,792. Why do I keep doing that? $804,792. And Lenny last week had Ryan Palmer, who had $149,850 for a new total of $688,600. And I, I continue my struggle here with Cam Champ. He had $37,463. So my total now is $386,386, actually. So I... I'm kicking it off again, as I have been for the last four or five weeks since we've been running this, uh, running this segment. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for, I'm gonna swing for it and go for the fences. I'm going Russell Henley here. I need to get a victory. I need some help. I need a, a high place winner. He was my, uh, my nine K player of the week. Uh, like him a lot. Like what he does in relation to this course. So hopefully he does well for this week, and I can make some ground up on you too. So, Lenny, you are second place, so you're up to pick. Yeah, this is kind of a tough one because there are some big names at the top that I don't know if I want to burn right now. Uh, I think I will go with a... I think I have to go with Joaquin Neiman. I, I haven't used him yet. I think it's time to get him off the board. All right, Sean. I'm going to take Jason Kokrak. Uh, I was hoping you're going to say Henrik Stenson. No, I learned my lesson earlier to never mention his name again on this podcast. Well, listen, Sean, if you pick anyone in the one and done, they're guaranteed a top five finish. <laughs> yeah, the way you're right going. Now. So, yeah, you might as well just pick Stenson and he'll have himself a fantastic week. No, I will jinx it then for sure. But I probably, you know, maybe. No, but Kokrak. I'm taking Kokrak. <laughs> Man, I almost talked him into it. You, you All right, pick guys. Ch- pick Chase Kepka. Get him his tour card. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That's it for this week's podcast. The Out of the Rough podcast brought to you by We Know Fantasy. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Out of the Rough WK. Visit our website, we know for some more fantasy sports content. And until next week, guys, we'll see you.